Life is one long journey made up of many detours. Some are chosen and some are not, but they all teach us something along the way. Welcome to the Detour Podcast, where conversations about life detours and travel detours converge. It's one part human experience and one part travel experience put together to teach and inspire us to take the detour and enjoy the wander. podcast. I'm your host Sheila Shinsky and today I am so excited to have you here. We're going to be talking to someone that is a new person to me in person. We've got a lot of uh, mutual friends and we've kind of been following each other on Facebook but uh, so other social medias but this is our first time meeting in person so I'm excited to have Tina Levine here today. She's a national speaker and author of five books. She's a clean comedian and a past TV show and radio show host. She brings a message of hope and healing to the world through her Tina Talks Truth website and speaking platform. Her motto is, the truth is, there is hope. Today, she's talking truth to us specifically about hope in the face of addiction. She's got quite the detour story, and I'm super thrilled to have met her today and have her on the show. So let's welcome Tina Levine. Thanks for being here today, Tina. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. You're welcome. So you had a little bit of a little bit of a drive here. We never kind of quite can anticipate yeah. lately the traffic patterns around, right? It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. We're all here now, and we're, we're tuning in. Maybe you're listening in the car, and you're fighting the traffic, and you're enjoying, you'll be enjoying this episode. So... As a, well, you've done so many different things. Yeah. I was thinking about this as I was going through, you know, your bio and everything. I'm like, she really does like a lot of varied things. (laughs) I have so many questions about how all this came together. Um, A Christian comedian. Did that start before, after, in the middle? Uh, Inspirational speaker evolved, author, and then radio and TV show host. So how did this all come together? What encouraged you to create the Tina Talks Truth platform? It's called ADHD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm unmedicated. <laughs> I think I have that same thing. That's what everyone asks. I make everyone feel better about, or I make myself feel better about it by saying, well, I'm like a hummingbird. Like, yes. Just yeah, go yeah. all over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> People always ask me, do you ever sleep? I'm like, I have the best night's sleep. Me too. <laughs> It's because we run, run, run all Exhausted. Day. Yeah, yeah. We exhaust ourselves. So. <laughs> yeah, so Tina Talks Truth actually came from uh, years ago in 2013 when I wrote my first book. Now, my first book took me 14 years to write, and it's Let Your Lessons Become Your Blessings. And I was in a jail actually speaking with a group of teenage girls, and I was sharing my testimony and they kept saying that's some truth there that's some truth girl and i was like oh wow and and when i had told them my name was tina it kind of came from them is you know tina talks some truth she's coming to talk some truth you know and i'll never forget i shared my testimony and they're like why are you so happy your life was crap (laughs) and i was like oh my goodness so that's where Tina Talks Truth came from, was these girls in jail 
these young ladies that uh, they just kept saying that, you know, you're talking some truth, you're talking, you know, and, and so I thought, hey, you know, if I can relate to these young ladies and I can give them hope, maybe I can, you know, speak some truth out in the world. And that's how it all started. Wow. So that that's a great title. I mean, it makes total sense, even more sense now. It's a great title before I knew that, but it makes total sense yes. the way that you just explained it and how that evolved. Isn't that funny how some things just happen that way? That's right. Um, so you said that they said, well, you know, why are you so happy you had such a crappy life? <laughs> They used other words. Yeah, but I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. What What is your background? I, I mean, I did see on one of your YouTube videos that you shared that you started smoking at nine, using alcohol at 14, drugs at 18. And how did you get on this path? So what happened for me is it was... Um, it, it was a, a childhood of struggle. I didn't really start talking until I was three and I haven't stopped. <laughs> uh, but I, I spent a lot of time in my closet writing as a child and I didn't really share much with a lot of people. And um, went through some things as a child in, you know, in my childhood. And at seven years old, my friend was kidnapped, raped, and murdered. <gasps> and oh my so, Lord. Here's a young girl that isn't talking, and then she experiences, uh, my friend was missing for three days, and I literally was outside searching for her body oh, at seven, seven, at oh. seven years old. And back then in the 80s, you know, they didn't have grief counselors. There was no one in the schools that were helping, you know, children go through this process. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, I do remember at recess time, we would be out on the playground looking for clues of, like, where she went and, how, you know, what wow. happened to her. so your little brain is just not yeah. processing this or trying to process it in its own limited exactly. way. Exactly, yes. And so no one ever told me it wasn't my fault. And so I started with survivor guilt at seven years old, and that survivor guilt just continued into my 20s. And then, uh, so I started smoking cigarettes at nine, uh, picking up cigarette butts, you know, and then uh, I was rolling up everything and smoking it. I don't, don't, I don't suggest that to any of the listeners. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Grass clippings, oh, corn silk, you know, I was born and raised in Ohio, so there's mm -hmm. lots of fields, but yeah, I don't know what I was, I wasn't thinking, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I think I was just looking for an escape, mm -hmm. a numb, to numb the pain. Mm -hmm. uh, to escape the hurt and then at 14 I started drinking and it was uh, it, 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 I blacked out the first time I drank and it, I was just off and running from that point forward I, I, I remember in high school my girlfriends they would get like a four pack of wine coolers between them to share and I'd get one for myself you know mm -hmm. a four pack so there were signs very early on that, that that sorry not to interrupt you, but that that blacking out was that some people that might be a deterrent for. Do you think that was just the ultimate like escape for you? Like, oh, I yes. can really escape. Yes, yeah. And so what what happened for me with addictions was that number one, it was self medicating because I didn't feel pain or hurt when I was under the influence of alcohol and drugs. Uh, I started using drugs at eighteen. And then it was um, more of a, I have to do this in order to actually live. And so I found myself every day using alcohol and drugs 
And that's when the addiction just takes over. You mean a physical dependence? Is yes. that what you mean by that? Yes, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I do want to back up because with that blackout the first time I drank, that's pre- I was predisposed because my father is a recovering alcoholic. And what I didn't know, but after years of education and research, is I was predisposed by genetics and then environment to actually become an addict and an alcoholic, a, mm-hmm. a person that struggles with substance use disorder. Now they call it substance use disorder. But um, so blacking out is actually a sign of addiction. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. just like alcohol poisoning, mm-hmm. you know, when people vomit, and uh, that's a that's a sign of a. a, a dependence yeah of, of addiction it, it makes it, sense it, alcohol if, poisoning yeah it makes sense if you think about it because you know we can be predisposed to different things yes. if you sort of look at it in a different kind of way there's there's people that can go have a couple of drinks and and stop yes and it's no burden for them there's people that can eat a single size serving of potato chips yeah. and stop <laughs> yeah. yeah what a concept yeah. you know some people can um, have one oreo yeah i, I, I don't know who that is. <laughs> yeah. i will please send me your name and a, a facial shot if you're somebody who can eat one oreo oh. i just want to like yeah. send you a prize or something I, I don't know yes i don't know how people do it but yeah yeah, it's but a, I mean, and that you know, not to make like, although you, that's what you do is yes. you, you use lightness and humor yes. to handle and talk about very heavy subjects. But I, you know, it seems like that's what you're saying is yes. you kind of have this, you know, uh, I don't want to say like things back against you from the mm-hmm. get go, and just it had to be the environment to start the fire. Yeah, there was yeah. many circumstances yeah. that led mm-hmm. to, you know, I had a lot of trauma as a teenager, and uh, I won't go into details about that, but uh, I am a survivor of rape mm-hmm. and abuse and domestic violence uh, throughout those years, and uh, that just kind of contributed to the hurt and the pain and, and then self-medicating with the alcohol mm, and drugs. Yeah. The vicious cycle of all yes. of that little girl trying to process this horrible thing that happened to your friend and then it just kept on going. Yes, yeah. Oh my gosh. Just really speaks to how important it is to get the little guy some help if there's been some something traumatic that's yes. happened. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that just makes me sad. Like it it's is. making me yeah. sad to think of it. Yeah. So you 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 know, this did go on for a while. Um at what point um did that start to change though? So at, when I was in college, I had failed nine classes, and I got kicked out of college. And for me, it was, okay, it's the drugs. And so I quit using drugs, thinking, okay, it's just the drugs. I'm just going to quit the drugs, and then I'll be okay. But I continued drinking. Mm-hmm. I see this very, very often with people that struggle with addictions. They think, oh, I'll just quit the one thing that really got me into trouble. Yeah, but then that's continue the problem. Yeah, that's you the know? problem. Yeah. And so what it is for me, an addiction is an addiction is an addiction. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter if it's sex, if it's men, if it's you know, alcohol, drugs, nicotine. I am predisposed, I guess you could say, you know, anything that puts a smile on my face, Oreos, yeah, you know, right. anything mm-hmm. that puts a smile on my face, I want more of it. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. And, you know, and mm-hmm. it's an obsessiveness mm-hmm. and that compulsion that comes with it. And so, 
I, I at 23 years old, um, I realized I was an alcoholic. And even though I had stopped using drugs a, almost a year before, my alcoholism got out of control. Everything, because I think everyone has a line in their head like, okay, if I cross that line, then I'm an alcoholic. Mm. And so for me, in January 1998, I crossed every line that I said. I said I would never drive drunk, and I drove drunk. I said I would never go to a bar by myself and drink, and I went to a bar and drink. You know, I mean, it was all these things. And then it was like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, how does that happen to someone that tries to have so much control in their life, but it's out of control already? And that's what we have to remember is that if you're trying to control some, it's already out of control mm. or you wouldn't try to control it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I had to realize that this, this was out of control. It was like a forest fire just mm. spreading quickly. And uh, I actually uh, wrote a letter to my dean at the university, and he readmitted me under academic probation. And I went to one class, and the class was child development. And so I went in, and I was, you know, six weeks late. <laughs> and the professor's like, you know, where have you been for six weeks? And, and I wasn't going to say, you know, mm-hmm. I'm all getting high. You know? Yeah. And, and I just said, well, I'm here now. And she's like, oh, well, you're just in time because it's class presentations. Oh, <laughs> and wow. so here I am, you know, someone that didn't have a voice, that didn't share much, it struggled with an internal trauma and, you know, all these horrific circumstances. And here she's saying, I'm going to have to stand in front of the class and speak. And it had to do with children. And so everybody else is giving their presentations about how children learn how to say the alphabet and tie their shoes and all that. And I get up there and I say, how kids learn how to deal with the death, the, the murder of their best friend. Holy And smokes. everyone's like, oh my goodness. And so the professor kept me after class and she asked me about that situation. And then she encouraged me. She was a beautiful Christian woman. And at this time I was an atheist. And she took time with me, and she believed in me, and she gave me hope. And she said, this is your purpose. Mm. God brought you through all of that. You're going to take this mess, and you're going to make it a message. Wow. And she literally, she asked me what my major was. I said, interior design. She said, no, no, honey, (laughs) you need to work with children. And I literally ran from her classroom to my academic advisor, and I changed my major to family and child development. And it was because of her, because mm-hmm. she believed in me, and she gave me hope, and she gave me a purpose. And so I went straight into family and child development, went right into social work. I've worked over 21 years in social work and juvenile justice. Did that career or that study path change help you to focus more where you wanted? Absolutely. Because it sounds like, you know, these... Obviously, you had other things going on, but you're failing out of these classes. You know, maybe that wasn't the, maybe that wasn't really what you were supposed to be doing, kind of thing. Sure. And um, did do you find that then once you got in there, you you're fired yeah. up little little. Yeah. It helped. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll share this with you that I believe God confirmed to me my first social work job. I had 32 clients, and each client had a bit of my story. Mm. One little girl was raped. One had a friend that was murdered. One was abused. One was an alcoholic. One, and, it, um, and it was almost like um, each one of those clients had a bit of my story. And God literally, you know, anointed me to be in that position to help them through that. 
Wow. To say you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And I'm here for you and that there is hope. You can get through this. That's one of my favorite things about life is to be able to kind of look back and see how the past that was sort of ordained. That's why I do the detour podcast and we talk about these detour stories mm-hmm. because that's always how it starts. You meet somebody who's doing this thing and then they say something like, oh, well, I used to be addicted to drugs. And you're like, what? Yes. How, what? Okay, now I need the middle. Like, I need, <laughs> this was the before and now you are you took the detour exit and now you're here. How does that happen? You yes, know? yeah. So that's part of the reason that that happened was meeting this teacher Yes. And getting on that different path. Yes, yeah. And so I got sober and clean at 23 years old, and I started to go to recovery, 12-step recovery meetings in Akron, Ohio. And I was really blessed to get sober up there because that's it's the founding city of Alcoholics Anonymous. No, so I there's didn't know meetings that. 24-7. And, you know, courts mandate Sometimes people attend meetings 90, meetings in 90 days. I wasn't mandated through the courts, but I did 116 meetings in 90 days because I was told that if I take all of my energy that I put into my addictions and manipulating people, and I and if I put that into my recovery, I might just have a chance of living. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I was like, well, that's what I'm going to do. And so I went to 116 meetings in 90 days, and I realized I need help, number one. Um, I am an alcoholic, and that was hard for me. I was 23 years old and a female mm-hmm. in a lot of these 12-step recovery meetings with old men, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it, 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 was, it was a challenge, but at the same time, I was like, you know, I have to do what's good for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to people please, and I'm not here to fit in. I have to do what, what I need to do to stay alive. And so, that's, and so I actually went through therapy as well. I still go to therapy. Uh, marriage therapy, individual therapy, uh, because I still struggle with anxiety Mm -hmm. and PTSD. And there's a lot of things that I still struggle with. I'll have flashbacks and I think, why did that just come up? Mm -hmm. Today I understand it's the enemy. And sometimes the enemy will bring those flashbacks, you know, because he wants to distract me because Mm -hmm. he knows I'm on a path that Mm -hmm. is, you know, glorifying God. Yeah. And so, yeah, so what happened was I tried every religion there was. Yeah. <laughs> every, every religion yeah. you could That sounds like and a lustful, lots of great stories, too. I was being open-minded. Yeah. Uh, because I was an angry, angry atheist when I was in my abuse and addictions and that. And then I realized, you know, God created me for a purpose. Well, I realized, first of all, that there was a God. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, okay, it is God. I'm going to call him God. And then I realized he created me for a purpose, and uh, it's to bring light to the darkness. Mm-hmm. And here I, uh, I had some friends that went to a Baptist church and they up in Ohio, and they invited me to a Baptist church. And I literally stepped my foot inside the doorway and looked up to see if the roof was caving in, <laughs> and it didn't. So I was like, okay, I'm good. I can go to the I didn't catch on fire. The roof didn't fall in. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I just, I was, I was loved on when I didn't love myself. And these people loved on me. And these people literally, it was like kindergarten, you know, 101 for spiritual maintenance and spiritual, uh, spirituality. And they taught me, I literally would read children's books. 
to learn about the Bible. Like mm-hmm. I had to start from scratch. Mm-hmm. I had to understand at a very simple, simple place of what exactly who Jesus was who God was, you know, mm-hmm. and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so I encourage people, if you're struggling, just get a children's, you know, Bible book. Mm-hmm. Because for me, I had to keep it simple. You were a, 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 I was a baby. baby believer. Yes, yeah. that's right. I was a like, baby believer. Yeah, baby yeah, believer. Yeah. yeah, and that can be, you know, I, I relate to that. I totally yes, relate to that. Yeah. yeah. And so that's how it all started. And I remember the church, the Baptist church, they asked me to share my testimony and I was scared to death. And I thought, why would you have me share my testimony? First of all, you're like, what's a testimony? Oh my goodness. And uh, so then here, so I get up there and, and I'm sharing my testimony. Everyone came up to me afterwards and they're like, you know, same thing you said. I would have never thought that. And for me then, when I read the Bible, and I've been through Bible studies, and, you know, when you believe in Christ, you become a new creation. And that's what the Word says. And for me today, that's my one audacious prayer is people meet me today, and they don't they don't see that person that I was. Mm-hmm. And they can't even imagine, you know, mm-hmm. I was stealing cars and acting a fool and, you know. Yeah, like I hear you saying this and only so much of it comprehends. I'm like, it's, it's not that I don't believe you, but it's, you know, yes. it's, yeah. um, it's like, really? I can't hardly picture that. I yeah. know. And my husband always says that. We've been married for almost 17 years mm-hmm. and I met him when I had uh, three years sober. And he's like, I just would have never imagined, you know, the stories that <laughs> some of my best friends share or, you know, yeah. I'll share if I have a flashback and I'll mm-hmm. share something with them. And he's like, I just can't imagine that that's you. Mm-hmm. That's Christ. Mm-hmm. That's well, what I was going to just ask you, do you still have, do you have any shameful feelings about that? Because I, I know we can mentally know that we are forgiven well, and, and especially for but females, it takes a while yeah especially for females and especially mothers you know I, I mean i i was blessed to become a mother in 2006 so i had you know years of uh, sobriety eight years of sobriety before i got uh, blessed through fertility treatments in god you know to have an actual uh, son but um i know females struggle a lot with gain, uh, guilt and shame and you know unforgiveness mm-hmm. and I truly encourage you to dive into the word you know a lot of times we read oh you know you're supposed to forgive what it's in Peter you know you're supposed to forgive 70 times 70 mm-hmm. times 70 mm-hmm. and, well that's for ourselves too yeah we have to forgive ourselves we have to forgive God mm-hmm. that was tough for me mm-hmm. I thought God was punishing me and that's mm-hmm. why I was an atheist I was mm-hmm. like, if there is a God, then why would my friend be murdered and why would I be raped? And yeah, what loving hurt? God does that <laughs> yes. allows yeah. that. I think that's a a big struggle, for, and 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 even as a believer, sometimes those thoughts still come in. Like, man, I just sometimes I like I know the things, yes, and and He's real to me, and but though that will still come in. Like, Lord, I don't under. I know your ways are good. I, but yes. oh man, I don't like. I got questions for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got well, questions. I, I love Romans eight twenty eight yeah. and how it says about He makes all good mm-hmm. out of every who whoever loves Him. And it's like when I look at my testimony and I think, wow, 
he has made all good. I mm -hmm. never imagined I'd be traveling traveling throughout the United States sharing my testimony of sharing inspiration, let alone have a past TV show and a radio show and wrote five books. That is not me. That's mm -hmm. God. Right, for sure. Yes. Definitely. Well, um, so all during this spiritual walk, you know, from the beginning and you had this whole journey of healing. Was there, you mentioned a scripture. Was that a scripture, yes. the scripture Actually, you hung on to? Or? It was Jeremiah 29, 11. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget, you know, reading that. And for me, that was, it hit me between the eyes because I truly, I felt like God was punishing me for whatever reason. It must have been that guilt and that shame mm -hmm. uh, that I stored up for many, many years, especially survivor guilt from my friend's murder. And for me, you know, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans of good, you know, to prosper you, and, of and hope, not harm, and yeah. not disaster, yeah. not to harm you. And that's when I was like, wow. Mm -hmm. To he, give you hope in yes, a future. he loves me, yeah. and he's giving me hope, and he's giving me a future. On the way here, I actually thought of a circumstance. He has saved me so many times that I never even knew you were being saved from a situation I, yeah but that's how good he is yeah one of those by the grace of god yes. that you look back on yes. like how did i get out of that how i it's put myself way. in yeah. way too many risky situations mm -hmm. and i should not be sitting here but by the grace of god wow that's that's so amazing and i love hearing stories like that and, and they are inspiring to me and i hope encouraging and inspiring to to other people um, that may be listening and, and, uh, that's, you know, what we're all supposed to be doing mm -hmm. is sharing our stories, our truth, our humanness mm -hmm. that says, yeah, it's hard to be human. Sometimes we live here in all the crud and we don't really, even with all the guidance that we have available, we don't always get it right. Yeah. But it can be redeemed, mm -hmm. and it can be turned into something, you know, awesome and great. So I thank you for being oh, here. I welcome. get really excited talking about this stuff. Thank you. So um, what would you say, like, through all your experiences and studies with addiction that has brought you to your professional path now, what do you think are the biggest contributors? What I see, especially with... Females, I mean, it happens with males as well, but a lot of females, it's trauma. That there's some sort of trauma that has happened, and it could be childhood, it could be adult. There's some sort of trauma deep down inside that then people that abuse substances, it, it, they're self-medicating. Mm -hmm. They're just self-medicating. And until we dig deep and we find out exactly what that causes, the, the why, uh, I think those are the contributors, mm -hmm. is the trauma, the hurt, the pain. And, and when you look at that, you know, God can heal that. But there's also, you know, God has created therapists and counselors and medication and support systems. There's so many other things that God has actually ordained to help us. Mm -hmm. And so... I'm, I encourage people, you know, try different things. If you go to a 12-step meeting and you're not comfortable, like first and foremost, uh, <laughs> I 
always laugh at people when they say, well, I went to this 12-step meeting and, and you know, I just didn't like the people. Well, guess what? That didn't stop you from going to the bars. Yeah. <laughs> There's many bars I went to. I didn't like the people, but uh-huh. guess what? I still, you know, went there and sat there for hours mm-hmm. and hours and got lit, you know? Uh-huh. So I, I always suggest to people, try different meetings. Uh-huh. Go and just try different meetings. And then also, you know, follow the 12 steps. You know, first and foremost, we have to surrender. We have to accept that we're powerless over our addictions, first and foremost. That you even have one. Like you yes. said, you you were like, I mean, and I know that, I mean, you know, I haven't personally dealt with, with this, but I have people in my life that have. And, you know, you well, it's just, it's just this or it's just that, you know, and, and, there's like a justifying and like you said earlier, you know, everybody has that line and everything before that line was just a this or just, well, I just, I just do this or I just do that. And, and, and it does seem to, I mean, that phrase hitting rock bottom is there, I think for a reason, Mm -hmm. because don't you find many people? And everyone's rock bottom is different, you know, and I Mm -hmm. think that's what we need to understand too, is that there's multiple pathways of recovery, but there's also multiple rock bottoms. Mm-hmm. So my rock bottom might not look like Joe Schmoes, right. who you know was smoking crack and living on the streets and you know yeah, in or, jail most of right. the time. You know, mm-hmm. so my rock bottom's going to look different than his. Mm-hmm. It's more of an internal rock bottom. Mm-hmm. It's to the point where you have to end yourself and give it to God and become that new creation. That's what step one's all about, mm-hmm. surrendering. Mm-hmm. is surrendering, you know what, I've made a mess of my life and it is totally unmanageable and I need help and I need to do what I need to do mm-hmm. to change that, mm-hmm. okay? And then to walk, you know, work through those steps. I, for me, I was, you know, and I had just celebrated 22 years sober and clean in recovery and so for me, it was 12-step recovery, mm-hmm. which then, you know, I then went to church and now I have a strong faith, and then also celebrate recovery, which is another 12-step Is a program. But it's Christian-centered. Christian, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Christ-centered. And so, you know, I suggest to people, but there's smart recovery. There, There's so many other forms of recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, there's individual therapy. There's mm-hmm. trauma-informed care. There's uh, trauma therapy. There's, I mean, there's so many other forms of recovery. And like you said, you have to find the one that fits and you have to find the one that is in a sense, like you said, you know, well, I don't like the people here. Okay, but don't let that stop you from your goal. Exactly. Same thing with therapists, you know, even just going for any, you've got to find the therapist that you're willing to be open with because if you're not willing to be open, if you don't have that rapport, that comfort level that you're going to say the stuff you need to say that maybe nobody else has ever heard come out of your mouth, maybe even yourself, mm-hmm. you have to have that rapport with them. And if it's not working, it's okay to switch to a yes. different therapist. That's right. And yes. you should. I think my husband and I have had, uh, we, we've gone to marriage counseling. You know, we've only been married, it'll be 17 years in May, and we've gone to marriage counseling for 19. <laughs> <laughs> We joke around about that, but you know, we started with premarital counseling and then we just have gone on and on and on to different counselors because that's when you grow and mm-hmm. especially when you grow spiritually, 
it's you need something you find different. That yeah. person that you connect with spiritually, and you know, mm-hmm. and so it's totally okay to shop around for counselors. It's totally okay to to move forward if you you know level up you know mm-hmm. spiritually mm-hmm. to to find a spiritually uh, balanced counselor or therapist out there. Mm-hmm. So I just encourage people. There is help out there. And as you as you grow and discover, I was thinking about this earlier when you were talking. Uh, we when we get to be adults, sometimes things that have happened, you were saying like most of the stuff happens from trauma. Is you know the trauma is the root cause, and a lot of it can happen when we're very young. But when you're very young, and that's what you think is normal, mm-hmm. until you get to be an adult and maybe like out of that situation and some years on you, then all of a sudden it's kind of like I didn't even know that wasn't normal. Yes. Like yes. I didn't, I was, I didn't even know I could be traumatized by that. Until somebody shows you something or you see something where you're like, wait, that's not how it's supposed to happen? Yeah, and that's what, why it's so And important. it messes with you. Yes. Because you're like, now my whole world's undone. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why it was so important for me to go th- work through the 12 steps. Mm-hmm. To understand, to take a personal inventory and to understand why I, why I had the character defects I had. Why... Why was I treating people the way I was treating them? And, and then, you know, also making a list of people I needed to make amends. And one of the things I want to share about that is first and foremost, I had to make amends with myself. I had to forgive myself, and that was the hardest. But also, you know, instead of just saying, you know what, uh, please forgive me, you know, and then bringing up, say, I was taught not to rip off the scab. So what that means is, you know, I've hurt, I've hurt people. And, and when you get a wound, a scab forms on top. The last thing I want to do is take that scab and rip it off yeah. by bringing up the situation again. Yeah. So what I'm going to do in my recovery is I'm going to, first of all, I'm a new creation. And so I'm going to make better choices, but I'm going to have a living amends with people. You know, I want it to be a living amends because I broke so many people's trust back in my using days that it's going to take time for me to rebuild that trust. Mm-hmm. And so I don't rip off scabs. You know, it's a living amends every day. Mm-hmm. And so that's just, I want to encourage people that if you're thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to write a whole list of, you know, I think it was Seinfeld. They had a <laughs> big, you know, yeah. uh, 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 George. Uh, yeah. George wanted to, you know, have someone do step eight and make amends with them. You yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it doesn't have to be like that. It can right. be that you changed and that you just have a living amends with that mm-hmm. person. And you get, um, I think, you know, um, I think it's Oprah that always says like, or maybe it was my Angelou that told Oprah, uh, you know, when you know better, you do better. Do better. And that, that really is something that I keep in mind too when, when um, I'm trying to forgive somebody. Mm-hmm. When you can look at it through that like, man, you know, we're all doing the best we can That's at right. that time. With and what we have. Yeah, at yep. that moment, right. And, and I wouldn't make some of the same choices today Absolutely. that I made in yes. the past, yeah. and those people probably wouldn't either. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I, we, I actually, I put together women's conferences two a year, and we just did one in November at Bayside Church in Safety Harbor, and it was uh, freedom from forgiveness. And so what it was was forgiving God, forgiving ourselves, and forgiving other people. And one of the things I shared was I know when I have actually forgiven people is when I feel like in my heart, I feel like I could, I could truly thank them. For the lesson that they taught me. Mm. It, not necessarily that I'm going to write a thank you card and send it to them, but yeah. I come to a point spiritually where I'm like, you know what? 
Thank you. Yeah. Because you made me a stronger person. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I maybe from you that. can even see them with some humanity as yes. somebody. You know, all these things sound cliche, but they're cliche because they're often true. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, hurt people hurt people, and yes. and things like that. And so, if you can get through those levels of forgiveness and be able to then look at the people and say man, they were doing the best that they know how to do. Mm-hmm. They were probably hurt themselves. They have their own issues the same as I do. Yes. You know, we're all flawed. Maybe it shows in a different way, but um, everybody just sometimes reacts, you know, and and we can't control what other people do. And like you said, you've got to start with yourself mm-hmm. and say, what? all right, what am I doing? Like, Maybe the lesson is I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be mm-hmm. 70 years old and still doing the same things that I did when yes. I was 40 yeah. or saying the same things or thinking the same mm-hmm. things. You know, that's it's not usually good. You yeah, well, and you bring yeah. up a good point that you can change at any point in your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you don't have to be 23 years old right. like I was. You don't have to be... You know, 30 years old. I mean, you can change at 85 years old. Yeah. You know, my friend is a hospice nurse, and she shares stories with me. In the last seconds of people's lives, they were angry atheists all their life. In the last second of their life, they're reaching out for Jesus. Mm. So, I mean, you can change. Mm -hmm. You know, there's help. There's Mm -hmm. hope. Mm -hmm. Oh, we could talk all day. Okay. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) It's so good. Okay. Um, Let's see. So we've already shared like a lot of good advice um, for people that are struggling with um, abuse and addiction. How can family and friends help loved ones struggling with addiction? That's very hard because obviously the person that is in it needs to change themselves, yes. and we can't make them do that. No, but we, it, we can. We suffer the consequences sometimes. Unfortunately, yes. And I truly believe that addictions—it's a family disease. It affects. Mm-hmm every single person in that family and each person there is actually a family dynamics with it i used to teach it to actually uh, teenagers and adolescent uh, drug treatment that there's family dynamics that each person takes on you know you have the the um the the golden child you know the child that can do no wrong and Mm -hmm. then you have the child that is you know always messing up yeah Yeah. and Mm -hmm. and they're the scapegoat yeah and then you know so you do you have the lost child the child that a lot of times it's the middle child and a lot of times people are like i don't even know you have another child you know yeah because they're so quiet and Mm -hmm. they just keep to themselves and and so it's important to understand that addiction is a family disease. It affects every single person, and every single person, I believe, could benefit from getting help. Mm-hmm. And so there's Alateen, there's Al-Anon, there's um, Naranon, there's, there's so many different 12-step recovery programs and support groups and counseling for family and friends. And then you also have the dynamic, like sometimes, especially within marriages where maybe of one parent who's who's trying to enable and lo- another one who's taking the hard line yes and then that causes conflict between them like no we just need to put yes. our foot down on no I can't I can't abandon my child you know or yes, yeah. things like that so that's why I think it's important for if, if you know there's parents involved and it's a child then I think the parents need marriage counseling mm-hmm. they need to come to a place where they agree on what type of you know behavioral modifications and, and uh, what type of discipline 
uh, they're going to use and what kind of privileges they're mm-hmm. going to, you know, and, and that's something that they have to be able to agree on together as a couple mm-hmm. because you're more powerful as a united front right. as a couple mm-hmm. than if this person's doing this and this person's doing that. I mean, yeah. that can really crumble marriages, but it also is mixed signals for mm-hmm. that child. Would you take the hard line basically and say that if people are going through something like this, that they probably are not equipped to handle it on their own? Oh, uh, oh yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, like it don't is, fool yourself and oh, think we got this. We don't no, need any help. We'll just, it's too, it's too it, much. And you it's don't know. Much. And yeah. you're working from your own things. Right. Like you're bringing your own junk That's into right. the mix. You can't have a clear vision. You need that outside yeah and actually that's how i got into recovery is my sister and i were going to adult children of alcoholics meetings oh wow for one year and so i started to work the 12 steps in there and you know got myself a sponsor was working my fourth step and that's how i really you know became aware of whoa wow because what it was teaching me was that you are powerless over people places and things yeah i mean there's circumstances you had no power at all over and it's how you react to all of that it's how mm-hmm. you you know everyone has circumstances you know they say about you know it's not 10 percent of the situations you're in it's 90 percent of exactly how you deal perceive or it yeah that. right yeah. Mm-hmm. and so i truly truly just encourage the listeners that if you're struggling if anyone in your family is struggling with addictions that everyone gets help Mm-hmm. And uh, there is help out there for each person in that family. What do you say to people that might be listening to this and they're kind of hearing it, but they're at that hopeless point where we've tried the things we've done. We're like, I'm tired. Mm. I just have no more hope. I just encourage you to, to dive deep into the word and focus on God's promises and stop and this is really hard because I, I I fall I fall, you know, victim to this the what ifs. Well what if this? What if that? What if you know, our imagination is an abuse of our creativity. And so my imagination, I can go off and I can create the biggest snowball mm-hmm. and it, I mean, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and nothing even really happened. Mm-hmm. You know? No, it's <laughs> but true. But it's all in my head. Yeah. And so when we start the what ifs in the fear and we, uh, we, we, uh, we, you know, contribute to the fear factor and it just keeps building and building mm-hmm. and building, then what we're doing is we're allowing the enemy to distract us first mm-hmm. of all because you cannot have faith and fear mm-hmm. at the same time mm-hmm. yeah and so if you're focusing on that fear and you have the what ifs and you're you know constantly uh i love the saying you know my best friend hi margaret mm-hmm. <laughs> she's up in north carolina she's a licensed counselor i'm so blessed that's awesome <laughs> i need one of those she's incredible <laughs> i'm taking applications for licensed counselor friends <laughs> She is such a blessing. But she said to me one time, she said, don't borrow trouble. Mm-hmm. Don't borrow trouble. You know, here I am yep. thinking a year from now, two years from now. And it's like, no, no, no. All I have is right now. Mm-hmm. So that's my encouragement. If you're feeling hopeless right now, just focus on this minute right now. Mm-hmm. Just focus on, look up at the sky, listen to the birds, take a deep, deep, deep breath 
and just focus on this moment right now because today this is a blessing this is a gift right mm -hmm. now it's your present and we have to stay in this moment if we live if we live in our past we're going backwards mm -hmm. we're going backwards we're digging ourselves a bigger hole mm -hmm. if we live in the future then we're not appreciating what's what's given to us and today. you don't have to have it all figured out like sometimes you just have to stop and say okay i'm just i'm just i'm just doing today that's right you know i used to jokingly say um i was a mother what ifer yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. And, and um and I would just what if this what if, that? what if and what and if? I didn't even realize you know and I would just create this mental hell for myself of all these things that could happen, and it's like it didn't it didn't even happen yeah. and I tortured myself with it and so now you know it, it'll still go there and I will literally sometimes have to say we are not doing this today yes. like I will be like brain yeah. we are not doing this yeah, today yeah. no. That's I'm right. not doing it. You do. You and have like, to. You yeah. know. <laughs> yes. And sometimes I, I remember there for a while I had a rubber band around my wrist and mm -hmm. I would snap myself as soon as I would start to try to, you know, start to think and get anxiety and mm -hmm. start thinking of the future and I'd snap my rubber band and it would, oh, wait a minute. No, no, no. I got to focus on right now. Yeah. You know, and so there's different things like that. There's a lot of books out there. Mm -hmm. um, especially for shame, you know, um, there's incredible books about releasing guilt and shame and staying in the present and just focusing on your passion and your purpose. Wow. Well, you have given so much information in this little short time um, that we're, we're almost out of time. So um, I want to not end um, just yet so we can find how to find you because you're just a great resource and this oh, is what you, you do and this is your passion and you can hear it um, in your voice and in your delivery and I can hear your heart for oh, people and you. helping people. Um, so how can we find you, uh, your books? You've got some great books that I want to just list the titles real quick. Let Your Lessons Become Your Blessings. That was that first one you said took mm -hmm. 14 years to write. Let Your Forgiveness Become Your Freedom. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Little Book of Big Truth, and that's for youth, right? Yes. And then Preventing Burnout, Igniting Passion. Mm -hmm. What's that one? That's actually for professionals. It's okay. a workbook, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, you know, in social work, child welfare, and juvenile justice, we get really burned out, mm -hmm. and it actually helps us remember what our passion is. Oh, that is a great resource for people that work in the field that mm -hmm. have a passion like you. Awesome. And then Heartbeat of a Real Leader. What is that one? So that actually is another professional development book, and it's for corporations, agencies, organizations, churches. I actually uh, um, I do a lot of uh, church leadership trainings and retreats uh, for their uh, staff, mm -hmm. and uh, it's it's actually really about servant leadership. And it's mm -hmm. about discovering your own strengths while celebrating other people's gifts. Well, I was just going to ask you, obviously, your your Christian faith is a big part of your life, but you do, how do I say, Secular. crossover, yes. yeah, crossover yeah, yeah. training and yes. things where in a corporate environment where it would need to be non, yes. non yeah. however you want to say. So I've worked yeah. over 15 years for the government, and mm -hmm. so I've had to learn how to, you, you know, wear a different hat. Yeah. And I have, so I'm, I'm trained, but I'm also... Um, you know, very good at sticking with the secular 
message. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's funny because Christians and people of faith in the audience, they'll come up to me afterwards and they're like, you're a Christian, right? Right. The truth, like it's all like, yeah. there's just one yes. truth. And yes. so it's all truth. You That's can right. say it however you want to right. say it. Yeah. Um, I, but it I, is. <laughs> I can act like Jesus, but I just don't have to say his name, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what it is. I mean, I don't like that. We don't say it, but you know what I'm yes. saying there? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you your website is Tina Talks Truth, mm-hmm. and is that your same handle yes. for all your social media, mm-hmm. Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, yes. Instagram, Instagram. Mm-hmm. Tina Talks Truth, Tina Levine, and your name is spelled L-E-V-E-N-E, and of course we'll have that in the show yes. notes and everything. Thank you. Um, and you do book speaking engagements, training. Yes. They can also get your books on your website if they yes. want to order right through there. Yes. Yeah, okay. I have inventory at home. So if they okay. order on my website, they'll get it a lot faster. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Is it, it. is it anywhere else or is that the... On Amazon. Amazon as yes. well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And um, anything else that you want to share with us before that we go? I think there was so much good stuff but oh, i just encourage you. people yeah. to reach out to you as, and use you as a resource yes absolutely and also i just have some exciting news to share that you know we're here in pasco county right now doing this interview or a podcast and i am actually starting a recovery high school for teenagers ages 14 to 19 struggling with addictions and it's going to be called center for restoring hope and so that is something that we're going to be open either the fall of this year or fall of next year, depending on the funding. Wow. And so that's something that I just want to share with the audience and the listeners. And so where do we have a location for that yet? Not or, yet. Okay, but it will be in this general yes, Tampa Bay area. County, yep, okay. Yep. So my goal is within the next 10 years to have one in Pasco County, Hillsborough County, Pinellas, and Manatee County. The whole yes. Tampa Bay area. Yes. That's exciting stuff because, yes, that age group, I think it's gets left out a lot and that's yeah. when it can really turn one way or the other, yes, right? Yeah. It can really And so we're what we're gonna be doing is providing a safe and nurturing environment, a therapeutic atmosphere for these students that are struggling with addictions. And so that they so can they come. can still get their education yes. and it yes. doesn't hinder them. Yes. Yeah. And, it's, and we'll be offering support groups, twelve step recovery meetings and therapy for the whole family as well. That's so great. I like that idea versus like I got my degree in jail. You know, like why yes. do we have to get to that part? Why do we yeah. have to, you know, why? I mean, that's still good, but yes. we don't have to go there. That's right. We can we can help them before yeah. that. Exciting yeah. stuff, Tina. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. Thank I'm so you. glad I got to meet you face to face today. And uh, just great information. So thank you for sharing with thank us today. You. And listeners, thank you for being with us. We will talk to you again very soon and have a wonderful day. Don't forget to take the detour and enjoy the wander. Thank you for listening. You can follow, interact, and ask questions about this episode and others on our Facebook page, The Detour Podcast, and on Instagram at Sheila Shinsky. To hear more conversations like this one, you can listen to all of our episodes on the Detour Podcast channel on Podbean. We're also on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. So be sure to share this episode with a friend who loves podcasts too. And rate, comment, and subscribe yourself. So you can join us next time as we take the detour and enjoy the wander.